the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me in the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands is being killed. You will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me in the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness against you. Don't fear a thing. 
whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me and the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands is being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator. Good evening, everyone. So glad that you're here tonight at Victory Christian Fellowship, where God is present. Amen. If you're watching online, you just hook up as well because there's no distance in the spirit. And we're so grateful and thankful that we have a God in heaven who loves us. Amen. And uh, Father, we just give you thanks and praise for tonight. Thank you for this moment, Lord, this meeting with you, this encounter with you. As we experience your goodness and your power and your grace, Lord, fill this place, saturate this place, permeate this place. And Lord, we lift you up in this place in the name of Jesus. Thank you for doing great and mighty things for us. And we give you the glory and the honor and the high praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together.
Thank you for speaking to us. A new door is being opened for you, and an invitation is going forth saying, Come, come to me. Come to the rock of ages. Come to the lamb slain before the foundations of the world. Come to the Lord of all. Come to the almighty. For I have what you desire. 
I want to give what you need. I want you to excel. I want you to be propelled forward into greatness. Hallelujah. Someone say praise the Lord. Oh, glory to God. You may have your seats. Thank you, Signature Worship Team. Hallelujah. We are blessed. And the kids are blessed, too. You know, Jesus said to the kids, let the kids come unto me. And he's going to bless our kids tonight, too. Amen. You know, you don't have to be a certain age to have the Holy Ghost. John had it when he was in the womb. Zachariah had it when he was an older man. That covers everything, doesn't it? Hallelujah. Well, kids, for kids' life tonight, I want you to be open and ready for God to move. Amen? Let's dismiss our kids tonight. Father, we thank you for our kids and our volunteers. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And as always, if you would like to give, it's good to give. Amen. You should never let an opportunity to give pass you by. And uh, you can give anytime during the service tonight. If you're watching online, you can give through our website. And uh, Father, I just release the blessing over the gifts and the givers who bring them. Father, may the givers overflow. May their barns be filled with plenty and their vats burst out with new wine. May the blessing of the Lord make them rich and add no sorrow with it. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Do you know that if you want to do something in life, most everything will cost you something. If you want to um, fill your tank with gas, it's going to cost you, right? If you want to buy clothes, it's going to cost you, right? If you want to eat good food, it's going to cost you, right? Unless someone invites you for dinner. But in everything, there is a cost. And yes, there's an element about God that's free, But there is a cost. There's a cost of discipleship. There is a cost of following God. You've got to give up your life and take on his life. The cost of following God is denying yourself and picking up your cross and following him. Even in Luke 14, Jesus said, if you want to build a building, what do you got to do first? You got to sit down and count the cost. To make sure that you have sufficient enough to finish it. And tonight, I want to talk to you about a different cost. I want to talk to you about the sacrifice of worship. Because there's going to be times when you'll be tempted to cheapen what you do and what you give to God. And how many know that God deserves our very best? You know, the cost of something is what you, it's the value of something. It's, it's, 
a price, it's uh, the price or repayment for something to be acquired or done. It is uh, the value put on, it's the estimate of the cost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And don't cut your cost in worshiping God. Don't try to find a shortcut to worship God. It's not like going through a fast food restaurant. And uh, I want you to turn to the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 24. If you look for the cheap way out, the devil will blow you out. (laughs) When it comes to God. I mean, look at the story of Cain and Abel, right? Abel picked out the best, the first, and the fattest. Cain just got what was laying on the ground. It wasn't the first. It wasn't the best. Whose offering was accepted? Abel's was. But did Cain have an opportunity to make it right? God said, if you do right, you will be accepted. Amen? That's, That's mercy and grace right there. Yeah, Cain made a mistake, and God gave him an opportunity to make it right. But you know what? Cain didn't make it right. Instead, he let anger simmer in his heart, and he ended up killing his brother Abel. And Hebrews tells us that the blood of Abel spoke to God. Right? And God even said, where's your brother? And he said, I I mean, he had just killed him. He said, am I my brother's keeper? Now he's lying. Anyway. 2 Samuel 24, verse 1. And again, the anger of the Lord was kindled against David, against Israel. And he moved David against them to say, go number Israel and Judah. I want you to go to uh, 1 Chronicles chapter 21 for a moment. We're going to come back to 2 Samuel. But 1 Chronicles 21 You know, Chronicles gives us the spiritual side of kings. Okay? Now look at what First Chronicles 21.1 says. And Satan stood up against Israel and provoked David to number Israel. So I want you to see in 2 Samuel 24, it wasn't God that instigated this. Do you realize if God wanted David to do a census, he would have said, David, I want you to do a census. God doesn't lead you by instigation. He leads you by communication. God doesn't use tricks to get you to do what he wants you to do. He doesn't use bad things to teach you a lesson. He uses the teacher to teach you a lesson called the Holy Spirit. So here was David. He was being tempted to put his trust in man and not God. You ever been there? To trust yourself and not God? To trust your experience and not God? To trust your skills and not God's power? Yeah, we've all been there. We've all been tempted to do this. So David, he had his people number Israel. And look at what Joab said to him in verse 3. This is Second Samuel 24 now. We're back at 24. And Joab said unto the king... Now the Lord, your God, add unto the people how many soever they be, a hundredfold, 
and the eyes of my Lord of the King may see it, but why does my Lord the King delight in this thing? Even his main general was not in agreement with it, but he did what the king said. Okay? He said, verse 4, notwithstanding, the king's word prevailed. Okay? Now go down to verse 10. After this was done, have you ever had a feeling in your heart that after something was done, you're like, oh, shucks. Right? That guilt, shame, and condemnation starts coming on you because you decided to do it your way and not God's way. You either added to an instruction or didn't obey an instruction. This is what David's was feeling now. After it was done. After the action had been taken. So David's heart smote him. After he had numbered the people, and David said unto the Lord, I have sinned greatly. So we know that God, God doesn't lead you to sin. Right? And if David felt like he sinned, he wasn't listening to God. Okay? And in, in that I have done, and now I beseech you, Lord, take away the iniquity of your servant, for I have done foolishly. Isn't it nice that we can just ask God to take away the sin without any consequence of our actions? It is nice, but unfortunately, even though he does take away the sin, we still experience his consequences because there is a law in the kingdom of God that what you sow is what you reap. Okay? So, God spoke to the prophet Gad, who was the king's seer. And uh, verse 12, he says, Go and say unto David, Thus says the Lord, I offer you three things. Choose one of them that I may do it unto you. Wow. Okay? So here are the choices for your consequence. Seven years of famine. You will flee three months before your enemies while they pursue you, or there will be three days of pestilence in the land. Now advise and see what answer I shall return unto him. So David said to Gad, verse 14, I'm in a strait. Yes, you are. We would say, I'm in a boat without a paddle. Right? I'm up the creek without a paddle, right? And... uh He said, verse 14, let us fall now into the hand of the Lord, for his mercies are great, and let me not fall into the hand of man. Well, he already put himself in the hand of man. He already took it upon himself to do something the Lord didn't tell him to do. Okay? It's very important to listen to the Lord. It's very important to double check with God. Is this what I need to do? Is this where I need to be? Is this where I need to go? Amen? It's so important. We need to be led by the Spirit of God. Okay? So, God, God told David to choose. David said, I put my, I put myself in your mercy. You choose. So God chose. Alright? Verse 15. So the Lord sent a pestilence upon Israel from morning even to the time appointed, and there died of the people of Dan and to Beersheba 70,000 men. Whoa. 
Don't think that you not hearing God or following his instructions matter. 70,000 people lost their lives because someone decided to act in the flesh and not listen to God. Okay? So, here, uh, some things were happening, right? And go, go down to verse 18. This is where we're going to get into the sacrifice of worship. And Gad came that day to David and said unto him, Go up, rear an altar, or build an altar unto the Lord in the threshing floor of Aruna, the Jebusite. And David, according to the saying of Gad, went up as the Lord commanded. Let me tell you something. When, when 70,000 people die, you're going to start paying attention to what God says. Amen? The prophet came and said, go uh, set up an altar to the Lord, a place of worship for God, and uh, worship there. Okay? And so, um, verse 20, And Aruna looked and saw the king and his servants coming toward him. And Aruna went out and bowed himself before the king on, on his face upon the ground. What is he doing? He's showing honor to authority. Aruna's got a good heart. He is a willing worshiper. And he is willing to give to God whatever is needed. Amen? Are you that kind of worshiper? Hallelujah. Oh, this is going to be good tonight, I'm telling you. I'm just setting you up, okay? And Aruna said, Wherefore is my lord the king coming to his servant? And David said, To buy the threshing floor of you, to build an altar unto the Lord, that the plague may be stayed from the people. You know, if you make a mistake and a plague occurs, the best way to stop it is through worship. Worship stops the plague. Worship stops the destruction. Worship brings mercy. So this is what David said. I'm going to, build, I'm going to buy your threshing floor. I'm going to build an altar to the Lord. And I'm going to worship and uh, the plague's going to be stayed from the people. And Aruna said, verse 22, said to David, Let the Lord, the king, take and offer up what seems good unto him. In other words, Aruna is saying, I'm not going to hold anything back from worship. I'm going to make an investment to worship so that you can worship God. Amen? How many know we got to make an investment of our time, talent, and treasure into worshiping? Okay? And... Uh, he said, uh, behold, here's the oxen for the burnt sacrifice. So he's given them oxen. Okay? That's more than one. And the threshing instruments, right? The instruments that beat the wheat. He's given them that. And the other instruments of the oxen for wood. So he's given them the sacrifice to offer. He's given them the means to offer the sacrifice. And he's giving it freely. Amen? Okay? All these things did Aruna as, as a king, give unto the king. And Aruna said unto the king, the Lord thy God accept you. And the king said to Aruna, no. But I will surely buy it of you at a price. He said, I'm not going to receive this free gift. I'm going to buy it because I need to pay a price. Because this is valuable to me. This is worthy of the price 
that I'm going to pay. There's no price too small to give to God for what he's given to us. Amen? Aren't you glad that God didn't skimp on salvation? I will surely buy it of you at a price. Neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God of that which does cost me nothing. One thing about David, whether he he made a mistake or not, that man had valued worship. He knew how to worship God, and he he was a reckless worshiper. He didn't care about what people thought. He knew how to worship God. And when things are bad, when things are getting to turn around in your life, you need to become a worshiper of God. Hallelujah. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for... Why did he buy this threshing floor? This is where he saw the angel bringing on the plague. This is a place where he saw the angel. Amen? This was a divine place. This is where God said to do it. Okay? And David built there an altar unto the Lord, verse 25, and offered burnt offerings. Zings. That's got ass on it. Right? And peace offerings. So the Lord was entreated for the land and the plague was stayed for Israel. I want you to notice David knew how to get to the heart of God. Amen? The way to overcome foolish choices is to turn in value and sacrifice to the Lord. Hallelujah. If you miss an instruction or fail to carry out a command, worship the Lord. If you make a mistake in life, stop, drop, and worship the Lord. Amen? Get a room in your house, get a room in your car, go somewhere and dedicate it to the Lord and worship Him. Don't let any other thing distract you, but you need to get in God's presence. Repent. Turn to God in your worship and sacrifice to God in your... I want you to notice he got God's attention. Amen? The plague stopped as soon as he worshipped. You touch God's heart through genuine worship. You celebrate God's goodness in worship. You begin to obey God's commands in worship. You know, when you start to worship God, you become obedient. Why? Because he becomes your focus. When you worship God, you take, you've just taken your eyes off the problem and you put them on God, the solution. You hear God's voice in worship. When you begin to worship God, he will speak to you. He will talk to you. Amen? Hallelujah. Your heart is softened in worship. When you worship God, you're not talking about your way. You're talking about his way. When you worship, you're at peace, you're in rest, and you experience full joy. Because those are all things in his presence. If you came in here with a burden tonight and you want that burden lifted, worship lifts the burden. Worship lightens your load. Worship calms your spirit. Hallelujah. You are made whole in worship. If you're sick, you can be made whole in worship. Worship activates the healing power of God. Hallelujah. Something happens when you worship. 
a leper worshiped God and he was made whole. Hallelujah. He got another level of healing than the other nine did because he took time to worship. It was the worship that made the difference. You want to make a difference in your life? Be a worshiper. Don't be afraid of God's presence. Uh, God's presence should not be an awkward place. It's a free place. And believe me, when you worship God, you're not going to make a mistake. You are directed, corrected, and encouraged in worship. True worship cures double vision. Why? Because it helps you, it makes you focus on God. Double vision is a double mind. And a double minded man doesn't receive anything from God. But when you worship God, you're single minded. You're focused. Amen? You're looking up, not down. Glory to God. True worship wants to pay the price and is willing to pay the price, whatever it is. Amen? True worship rejoices at giving its very best to God. Hallelujah. The NIV said, I insist on paying you for it. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. You know, so many people in the body of Christ, they want God to move immediately, but yet they move to God slowly. They want God to respond to them differently than they respond to God. It doesn't work that way. The contemporary English version says, no, I have to pay you what they're worth. I can't offer the Lord my God sacrifice that costs me nothing. That's someone who values the Lord. If you're going to build a place of worship, amen, don't worry about the cost. Did Moses worry about the cost of building the tabernacle? Did Solomon worry about the cost of building the temple? No. I mean, if you, you look at their terms, that tent that Moses built, you'd love to live in that tent. All the gold and all the metal and all the skins and, and all the, the caps of the poles and everything that, go, and all the, you know, the poles and everything, the ark and everything, that's worth, that's money. Some of those were, the, the closer you got to the Holy of Holies, it was pure gold. Outside was covered gold, then you got bronze and iron and all that stuff. You take all those metals and imagine what it would cost today. It would be about a $7 billion tent. Would you like to live in a $7 billion tent? Hey, it was good enough for God. Amen? And, and when they took an offering for it, they had more than enough. The workers had to say, you look, you got, you stop giving. Amen? Hallelujah. Glory to God. To come to God without a sacrifice would be dishonorable and consider him unworthy. What, What you put into God... David had no intention of cheapening the worship 
because he understood the value of it. Now, it wasn't about him either. It was about the people. And, and it was God who told him to build the altar. He said, okay, if I'm going to build the altar, then I'm going to buy this land. It was offered to him, and that was great. You know, praise God, Aruna had a right heart. But David had to make a decision. He, he was going to, it was going to cost him something. Amen? Because he was going to make the greatest investment of his life. Amen? What you put into God is what you receive from God. What you put into God, I'm going to give you scriptures too. It's called the law of reciprocity. If you can say it, you can have it. <laughs> Luke 6:38, the law of reciprocity. Give and what? It'll be given to you. Yeah, however, you understand what I'm saying, right? What goes around comes around, right? What you sow is what you reap, right? I may not say it correctly, but I know what it means. Give and what? It'll be given to you. If you want, if you want God to give you, then you need to give to God. All right? But now look, God gives you more than what you give. And he'll pour it into your lap, good measure, pressed down, shaking together and running over. You give and God multiplies it and gives it back to you. All right, 2 Corinthians 9, 6. Remember this, he who sows sparingly, what? Reaps sparingly. So your reaping is based directly on your sowing. Do you realize if you give God nothing, nothing times nothing is nothing? When God multiplies nothing, it's nothing. In order for God to multiply something, you've got to give him something. Well, I don't have anything. Yes, you do. Everybody has got something. I'm telling you, I heard a testimony one time of a preacher that didn't have anything but the pencil they gave him when he came to the meeting. And when it came time to worship God with the offering, he put the pencil in because that's all he had. Everybody's got something. Come on. Moses had a stick in his hand that opened up the Red Sea. He had something. Everybody's got, you've got some time. If you have nothing else, you've got time that you can give to God. I may not have anything to give, but here I am. I'll give you some time. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows generously will also reap generously. Now, I'm talking about worship, but... Psalms, I'm uh, not going to get ahead of myself. Galatians 6, 7. Galatians 6, 7. Remember, what you put into God is what you receive from God. You look at at people who came to Jesus. We're going to look at a New Testament example, too. Galatians 6, 7. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. What a man sows is that which he shall reap. Is that right? What you sow is what you reap. What you plant is what will grow. For the one who sows to the flesh will reap from the flesh. Ruin and destruction. But one who sows to the spirit will reap spirit 
eternal life. And God said in John 4, I'm a spirit, and they who worship me must worship me in spirit and in truth. When you worship God, you are sowing a spiritual activity to your Father. Amen? It is a spiritual activity that you are giving to God. Because in worship, you're telling him how great he is and how awesome he is and what he did is so incredible. Amen? The sacrifice of worship. All right? Proverbs eleven twenty four. There is one that scatters, yet increases the more. There is one who withholds what is justly due, but it results for poverty. Notice, scattering increases, withholding impoverishes. All right? Hallelujah. Did you know that God, God loves sacrifices so much that he became one? He became the greatest sacrifice. There was only one way to get man out of the dominion of sin. And that was for a pure, spotless male lamb to give his life as a sacrifice. God loves sacrifices so much that he became one. Romans. Romans uh, 3, 25. Whom God displayed as a life-giving sacrifice of atonement and reconciliation by his blood to be received through faith. This was to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance he passed over the sins previously committed. How many are glad for that sacrifice? He, he, he became the only way out of sin. And that was to become a sacrifice, which he did on the cross. So what kind of sacrifices does God want from us? Okay, I'm glad you asked that question. What are our sacrifices to God? All right, Psalm 5.3. Psalm 5.3. In the morning, O Lord, you will hear my voice. How many have a voice? In the morning, I will prepare, Amplified says, a prayer and a sacrifice for you and watch and wait for you to speak to me. Oh, my goodness. You're taking some time. You're taking some energy and you're sowing it to God and you're waiting to hear what he'll speak to you. Amen. So we, we sow our prayers and our sacrifice to God. Amen. All right, Psalm 50, I'm sorry, Psalm 40, verse 6. Psalm 40, verse 6. Sacrifice and meal offerings you do not desire. (laughs) Thank God we don't have to kill bulls or sheep or goats anymore. Glory to God. I'm so glad. You do not desire, nor do you delight in them. You have opened my ears and given me the capacity to hear and obey your word. Obedience is the kind of sacrifice that God wants from us. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you do not require. Thank God. Jesus did it all once and for all. Amen. 
Then I said, Behold, I come to the throne in the scroll of the book it is written of me. I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. Our sacrifice is doing God's will. It's choosing his will over our will. That's the sacrifice that God delights in. Amen? That's one of the sacrifices. When we, we delight, you've got to delight to do God's will. Delight means you want to, you love it, you're excited, you're passionate about it. Amen? You delight to do God's will above anything else, no matter what. Hallelujah. You, if God speaks, I'm going to do it. I'm going to carry it out. I don't care what it is. Come on. I'm married to a woman that has that attitude. And if I'm not careful, she'll leave me in the dust. She'll be going on doing what God wants. I'm serious. She is adamant about doing God's will. That's how we all need to be. Amen? Every believer in Christ ought to delight to do. That's the sacrifice that God desires. He's looking for some people who just delight to do his will. Jesus was in the garden. He was tempted not to do God's will. It was the pressure was on him. He said, not my will, but yours be done. He overcame that temptation. He committed and consecrated himself to do God's will. And sometimes you're going to have to be in your garden and you're going to have to pray through the temptations and the feelings and the pressure that the enemy's putting on you to go a different direction or to quit or to be lax. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Psalm 50, verse 5. Psalm 50, verse 5. Gather my godly ones to me, those who have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. You know how you make a covenant with God? You cut, you cut your skin and bleed. That was a covenant. All right? Offer to God the sacrifice of thanksgiving and pay your vows to the Most High. God is looking for some people who are going to be grateful and thankful and they're going to do what God says. They're going to be committed to what they promised God. Oh, how many times? God, if you deliver me out of this danger, I'll serve you. And he delivers them and he's like, where'd you go? What happened to you? We have... Moving on. Verse 23, Psalm 50. Verse 23. He who offers a sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving honors me. Sacrifice of praise. What's a sacrifice of praise? When you don't feel like praising, you praise. Guess what? You're not always going to feel. Did everybody feel like getting up this morning? No, we don't always feel like getting up. But we do. We don't always, I don't always feel like exercising. But I do. He who offers a sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving honors me. And to him who orders his way rightly, I, will, I shall show the salvation of God. Notice, see, worship is not a vain investment. The moment you worship, God will respond. God will reward. Worship gets rewarded by God's presence, by God's power, by God's strength, by God's direction. The moment you start to worship God, you activate something. 
Hallelujah. You, you send sound waves into heaven. And, and God hears it. And things get activated. He said, Michael, Gabriel, we got to do something about this. They're worshiping me. They're tapping into the power. Hallelujah. When you worship, you're tapping into a greater power. If you need power tonight, you got to become a worshiper tonight. The power's already here, but your worship is the way you plug into it. Because you got to worship by faith. Worship is not saying, let me just try this to see if it works. You don't have to try it. It's worked. It's been proven. They ain't got to try nothing here. You just got to do it. I'm going to try that Christianity. Go, don't, go sit down and be quiet. There are, there are multitudes of people who went on before you that proves it works. Jesus rose from the dead. He proved it works. Psalm 51, verse 17. Psalm 51, verse 17. These are sacrifices that God honors, that honors God. My only sacrifice to God is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Now, I know you're saying, well, I'm not going to give God what's broken. He's talking about a repentance heart. He's talking about when, when you discover that you made a mistake or that you sinned against God, you're heartbroken. You're hurt because you hurt God. Joseph said, how could I do this thing against God and your husband? Listen, if... If you don't get hurt when you disobey God, you got some problems. I'm telling you, when, when you sin and you recognize that you sin, you'll weep. Why? Because you allowed yourself to be separated from God, and that's not something that you want to do. Amen? And you'll make it right as quickly as you can. So when you give God a broken heart, you're just saying, look, I hurt over sin. This was David praying after he sinned with Bathsheba. Yeah, sometimes we make a mistake. Sometimes we miss it. We don't have to, but we do. That, that flesh of ours, that unregenerate flesh, you know, we got to keep it under. It's like trash. you got to take it out. Otherwise, it starts to stink. Amen? we got to keep on our flesh. Paul said, I keep my flesh, un- I keep my body under and bring it into subjection. Why? If you don't bring it into subjection, it'll bring you into bondage. Your flesh will get you in trouble more than the devil will at, (laughs) amen? Psalm 54, verse 6. 54, verse 6. With a free will offering, I will sacrifice to you. I will give thanks and praise your name, O Lord, for it is good. He rescued me from every trouble. Oh, hallelujah. I'm telling you, no matter what trouble comes your way, God has the ability and the power and the willingness to rescue from it. All you got to do is turn to him. And he will be a very present help in trouble. That's where we worship him. That's where we sacrifice. Take your eyes off your problem and worship. And watch what changes. Romans 12.1. Romans 12.1. Sacrifices that honor God. I'll take sacrifices that honor God for a hundred, please. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable 
to you, which is your reasonable service, your spiritual act of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be changed or transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Do you realize your body is supposed to be a living sacrifice? Your hands are instruments of righteousness. Your feet are instruments of righteousness. Your mouth is an instrument of righteousness. Amen? Death and life are in the power of your tongue. What's coming out of you, death or life? Hallelujah. Do you realize that when God told Abraham to give his greatest sacrifice in Genesis 22, the son that he believed for, the promise that he held on to, for 25 years, he believed God for this promise, and then it came. It, was, it manifested, and he loved Isaac, amen? And now God is saying, I want you to give Isaac as a sacrifice. Abraham didn't even bat an eye. He got up early the next morning. He saddled his donkey. He got everything that he needed, his servants, his son. He brought stuff that, you know, when you're making a sacrifice to God, these people had to build an altar. They had to set the wood in order. They couldn't use a cut stone. If a chisel hit the stone, that was unacceptable. You had to just get rocks that would kind of fit together. It takes work to build an altar. It's not an easy thing to build an altar back then. It took time. It took energy. It took some sweat. Sounds like my preaching. And I would say it adds some spit maybe a little bit too. You know, one of my friends, he heard me preach one time. He says, Doug, I'm going to get you a shirt. It says, spit happens. But I want you to notice what God said to Abraham when he was following through. He said, the Lord said, do not reach out against uh, your hand against the boy and do nothing to harm. For now I know that you fear God with reverence and profound respect. And you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. I'm telling you, oh, Abraham wasn't going to withhold anything from God. Why? He walked with God. He knew that God was a fulfiller of promises. He knew that God was capable to bring things to pass. And Abraham got to, now this was not the first thing that that God asked for Abraham. His faith grew to this. God's not going to, when you're a young Christian, he's not going to ask you to sacrifice your most greatest gift. Amen? Abraham grew into this. But he got to the point where he wasn't going to withhold anything from God. Nothing that God asked, he was going to withhold. And he freely gave that to God. And God knew that he feared God. And, and God said to him, he said, in blessing, I'm going to bless you. Did you know that your blessings could have blessings? Double, double blessing. He, Abraham was already blessed. But he says, now in blessing, I'm going to bless you. What does that mean? Multiple blessing, increased blessing, overflow blessing, too much blessing. I can't handle it. Yes, you can. Withholding 
God cannot bless what we withhold. God cannot bless what we withhold. In order for him to bless something, you've got to let it go. Everything that God blesses must pass from our hands to his. The multiplication of fish. How did that little boy's lunch feed the thousands? Because it passed from his hands into the Lord's hands. How did Jesus turn water into wine? Because something had to fill the pots. Under the command of the Lord, they put water in the pots and dipped that thing, dipped the thing in the water and brought it to the thing. Someone had to do that in order for the water to become wine. It's got to pass your hands and go into his hands. Amen? The widow, in order to get a lifetime income, she had to give what she had, two mites. Did you, did you know Jesus celebrated her offering above every other offering that he saw get put into the offering? Why? She gave out of her need. She gave everything that she had. I mean, sacrifice. Everybody say sacrifice. It was a sacrifice of worship. Giving is worship. Whether you realize it or not, giving is worship. How you give is how you worship. If you just give God whatever, that's how you worship God. You just give him whatever time you have left over. Not the first. In order for the widow and her son to eat, her cake had to pass through her hands into the hands of Elijah. And God, that's when God multiplied the meal. The meal remained small until it was passed. But once it was passed, it multiplied. The Passover lamb had to be, had to be killed and died and its blood spread on the doors so that death could pass over. Do you realize every door that had the blood on it, the, the destroyer couldn't enter into the house. Because they passed that blood from their hands to the doorposts. It's like God said. Are you getting this? Hallelujah. Huh. My goodness. In Exodus 20, verse 24, the Bible says, You shall make an altar of earth for me, and sacrifice on it your burnt offerings and your peace offerings, your sheep and your oxen, in every place where I cause my name to be recorded and remembered through revelation of my divine nature. I will come to you and bless you. Notice, God comes and blesses after we make a sacrifice. Do you realize... When, Sol- when, when God came to Solomon and said, whatever you want me to do, I'll do, that was because he offered a thousand burnt offerings prior to that in, in uh, 1 Kings 3, or 2 Kings 3. Read it. Everybody say a thousand burnt offerings. That got God's attention. And God said, I'll give to you whatever you want. Why? That's a sacrifice of worship. Amen. And then let's close with our New Testament example. Go to Luke 7. Hallelujah. Luke 7. I'm just going to tell you this story. 
Hallelujah. A Pharisee was having a dinner, and he invited Jesus. And while they were reclining at the table, a woman heard that Jesus was going to be there. And she had nothing to offer Jesus, but she did have a container of oil. Mark says that that was a year's wage. Ever say a year's wage. And she came and she stood behind Jesus and she wept. She stood behind him at his feet in a place of submission. She said, Jesus, you're my answer. You're my hope. I've lived. She was known as a sinner. She was, she was living in a dead end way of life. She was living in sin, committing sin, doing sin. But she heard Jesus. And she came behind him. She cried over his feet and dried it with her hair and poured. She broke open this alabaster box and the, the aroma filled the room. And, and John describes that the, some of the disciples got upset about it. Why isn't this given to the poor? Because it was given to Jesus. Listen, what you give to Jesus, you, you can't give to the poor. The poor is going to be here. You can help the poor when you can. But she was giving this to Jesus because this was her way out of sin. This was her deliverance. This was her moment. This was her escape route. She couldn't get out of the life she was living. She couldn't change her ways. But she knew Jesus could change her ways. So she broke open that box. She must have had that box, kept that box for such a time as this. She didn't think twice about taking a year's wage and putting it on Jesus. And Jesus didn't reject it either. She broke open that box. She anointed his feet. And the Pharisee's sitting there thinking, this guy's a prophet. He ought to know what kind of woman this is. Yeah, that Pharisee doesn't save anybody from going to hell. I'll tell you that right now. And Jesus told him a parable, and he told the woman, because you've loved much, you are forgiven. And guess what? You know who that woman was? Her name was Mary. That was Lazarus' sister. John tells us that this was Lazarus' sister who anointed Jesus. Do you realize, not only did she get born again, not only did she get saved, but she saw the resurrection of her brother. Do you think that had anything to do with the gift and the sacrifice that she made on Jesus? She offered him a sacrifice of worship. Jesus told the Pharisees, he said, you, you didn't oil my feet. You didn't even kiss me when I came in. This woman hasn't stopped. To see, she hasn't ceased kissing me. She was lavishing her love on Jesus. That broke the sin in her life. That, that broke the dominion of sin in her life. She became a believer from that moment on. She entertained Jesus at her house and her, Mar- her sister Martha cooked for the Jesus and the disciples often. But it was that gift that she brought to him. It was that sacrifice of worship that she gave to him that changed the whole course of her life. Nothing else was going to bring her out, but she brought herself out through her worship. Amen? Let me just read what Jesus said to her. He said, uh, 
Your faith in me has saved you. Go in peace. Amplified says, free from the distress experienced because of sin. One act of worship changed the course of her life. One small sacrifice for a woman, one great reward for a family. Amen? So how about you tonight? What did you come in here with tonight? Did you come in here with pain? Did you come in here with grief? Did you come in here with lack? I got an answer for you. It's found in worship. It's found in offering the sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving to God. And when you begin to worship, God will show up with his power, his goodness, and his grace, and things will change in your life. Things will change in your body. Things will change in your situation. Hallelujah. You're in the right place tonight. Amen. Does someone hear me tonight? Are you listening to what I'm saying tonight? Amen. If you need something tonight, if you need something from God, I want you to come up here, and I want you to worship. I I want you to forget about what's around you, who's around you, and I just want you to enter into worship to God. I want you to give your very best to God right now. Your very best time. Your very best energy. This is the moment. This is the hour right now where you're going to unlock the goodness of God. Amen. And believe me, God's not keeping it from you. But you know what? You got to come get it. It's all, He's already given it. Listen, he told the Israelites, he said, the land is yours, but you got to go get it. He didn't go get it for him. He, he cleared out the enemies before them, but they had to go in and get it. You've got to come up and get it right now in the name of Jesus. If you need healing in your body, it's here. If you need help in your life, it's here. If you need direction in your life, it's here. Amen? And you've got to worship God. You've got to be free. Open up your mouth. If you've got to move your body, if you feel like getting on your knees, whatever you feel like doing, this is the key moment right now. This is where things are going to be turned around right now, where you tap into worship and you offer God the sacrifice of worship. Hallelujah. If you can pray in tongues, pray in tongues. Hallelujah. And if you're watching this online, just begin to worship God right where you are. Begin to lift up your hands and lift up your voice and cry out to God. Don't hold back. Give Him your best. Offer your best to God. And He's going to meet you in this holy moment, at this holy place, right now with His power, His glory, and His goodness. Hallelujah. Come on, begin to worship. Press in. Press in. This is not a drive through You're coming into the Holy of Holies. You're coming in with burdens and weights. They're being removed. They're being lifted. Bones are being changed. Healings are taking place. Deliverances are being activated. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Oh, worship Him. Worship Him. Worship Him like it's your last moment on this earth. Worship Him. Look to Him. Tell Him how good He is. Be thankful for what He's done. Praise Him. Hallelujah. Glory to God.
God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I'm telling you, this type of worship touches God's heart. He responds with power. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. to wait but that's not the time right now it's a time to worship it's a time to activate it's a time to press in like that woman with the issue of blood she pressed in like the Syrophoenician woman she pressed in like the leper the one out of ten he pressed in like Jairus he pressed in hallelujah Thank you, Lord. We honor you. We reverence you. Bless your holy name. Praise your holy name. Praise your holy name. God has no bench warmers on his team. He has active and willing participants who will do what he says no matter what. God loves you. He's pouring out his love on you, his strength and power. Hallelujah. He's filling you. 
He's helping you. He's directing you. He is talking to you. He's showing you what you need to do. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We bless you. We praise you. We magnify you. Oh, we worship you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Now he's sending his peace which passes understanding. And and his peace keeps your heart and your mind in Christ. If you need healing in your body, don't talk sickness from this point on. Talk like you're the healed and the whole. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, God, you're so good. You're so faithful. We bless your holy name. Hallelujah. And I just want you to say this. Say, I believe. I receive. Hallelujah. Right now, that's yours. If you have it, glory to God. Amen, amen. Glad you came tonight. I'm glad I came. Hallelujah. Go in peace. Because the Lord has done great things for you. Great things and whereof we are glad. He has done great things for us and we are glad. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You can go home rejoicing because something happened here tonight. God made a deposit here tonight. He made an impartation here tonight. A grace deposit was given to you tonight to take you higher. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Isn't God's presence wonderful? There's nothing like it. You can do this anytime, anyplace, anywhere. And especially if you've done something wrong, And you know it, just stop, drop, and pray. Turn to God, confess your sin, and worship Him.